1: The last three programs have dealt extensively with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what does that look like when it relates to other people? Join us and find out next on Truth For Today. Over the last three programs, we have taken a look at where the Spirit always leads, what it means to be Spirit-filled, walking in the Spirit, and exhibiting fruits of the Spirit. Now, if those things are in play, then it stands to reason there is a specific way spiritual people treat one another. And that's what we look at today as we continue our survey of Galatians. Won't you join us? From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: Turn to Galatians, if you will. And we're going to look today at uh, how the spiritual believer acts towards other people. We were talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that if you walk in the Spirit, that uh, you live in the Spirit, and you keep in step with the Spirit, you won't go towards the works of the flesh, but you'll always be in the steps that are directed towards the fruit of the Spirit. That's where your attitudes and actions, you have a way of measuring yourself of whether you really are in the Spirit. I have to say that uh, he's going to use a word in one. you who are spiritual. And in the context, I think that means every Christian that has the Holy Spirit and who's walking in the Spirit. Now... Sometimes believers sin, and sometimes believers quench the Spirit, but they always have the Spirit. They always have the Spirit. But he's really, I think, talking to Christians. You who have the Spirit. There's a, spirituality is a buzzword. It's a New Age term. that It means nothing uh, today. I, I, I've got my spirituality. What's that? Well, I just, I just feel spiritual. I feel religious everyone wants. Spirituality in the New Testament means rightly related to the Spirit. Rightly related to the Spirit. So he's going to talk to these people, but he said, walk in the Spirit and you will absolutely not fulfill the strong desires of the flesh. And he names 15 of those desires that are deeds. If you... Order your manner of life in the Spirit, you will put to death strong passions that come from the flesh, not just sexual passions that lead away, moods that lead away from God. He'll put to death strong desires that come from the flesh, and you will keep in step with the Spirit. But now he's going to mention some, a believer who gets out of step with the Spirit and sins, But we want to look at the last verse, verse 26, and then through chapter 6, 5. And we want to see how the spirit-controlled believer walks. And we're going to see three burdens they deal with. How they respond to other people's burdens. How they respond to their own burden. And then I'm going to just look at an example of a burden where we really do need to help people. It'll be a little reverse order. We'll come to verse 1 for our third point. But listen to what he says. He says, keep in step with the Spirit in chapter 5, verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Uh, very interesting that uh, here he's saying keep in step with the Spirit. And as you're doing that, he warns of maybe the greatest enemy of our Christian life—a wrong estimation of oneself—and here it's vain glory, empty glory, uh, conceit, pride—that we have this inflated estimation of ourselves. Maybe because uh, we think we're so spiritual. There's nothing like a super spiritual saint; they're lethal. If they walk around with that attitude. Because spirituality produces humility, not an elite attitude. I've got it. You don't. So he says, beware that you don't fall into vain glory. And what is the evidence that a man has an inflated estimation of himself? He provokes other believers. And the word here literally means he he wants to have a fight with them. He's always in the contest. He loves to argue. He he wants to take you on because when you're better, there's no rivals you can't beat. And he literally moves into this attitude, I want to provoke the believers. I want to win. I want to win my point. I want to win. And so he's out, and he's the church know-it-all, and he becomes the church bully because he wants someone to fight with on one level or the other. And it's, it's a strong term. It seems uh, absurd to be here in the context, but that's what he says. And then, if you're not wanting to beat up somebody in provoking this word, pro- I want to contest with you, he winds up envying people who have things he doesn't have. And so, wow, it, right in the midst of this keeping in step with the Spirit before it, he says, verse 13, beware lest we devour one another. Here at the end of the chapter, he says, by the way, don't be provoking one another. Don't be envying one another. What's the cure? Walking in the spirit. Spirit Spirit-controlled living. Church can be a dangerous place when people are not walking in the spirit. They can provoke you, envy you, and they could commit any of the 15 works of the flesh in the same body. Now he goes to chapter 6. And I think he gives an example of somebody not keeping in step with the Spirit. And we'll look at that in detail. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. That's kind of interesting. Verse 2, help a brother carry his load. Then he comes down to verse 5, you ought to carry your own load. We're going to find out. What is he saying? What's the difference? Uh, let's first of all, just consider this idea. Uh, let's jump to verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Legalists will never help you carry your burden. Lawkeepers and Pharisees will never. Jesus said of the Pharisee, they only increase the burdens that they refuse to help carry. Religion can be a burdensome thing. Going to church can be burdensome. If you're loaded up with guilt every week, if you're loaded up with uh, "You've got to do's, you've got to do's, you've got to do, and you don't have any power to do." did you know what happened when you came to believe the gospel? God rent the veil that blinded you from Christ, and in the gospel, behind the veil, you saw the smiling face of God. That He's no longer angry with you and never will be again. Did you know that? God will never be angry with you again. He may be grieved, but His own people, His anger was satisfied in killing the Messiah. Everything God has against you. He dealt out to Christ. Do you believe that? Do, do you think God is smiling at you? Or is God getting made to get you? See, there's different image. And so he says right here that I think three things here. The law demands of you what you cannot do. The flesh misdirects you to do things you ought not to do. And God's cure for it all is, I've given you the precious ministry of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, you didn't get the Holy Spirit because you sold out and were so spiritual. You got it because the death of Christ bought the ministry of the Spirit. And he told his men in the upper room, I will die. I will be slain as God's lamb. And my gift to my church, my bride, I'll tell the Spirit to take over where I left off. And for 2,000 years, the Spirit has been in the midst of every church that loves his name. And the Spirit bought it. The Spirit bought it. Is that not marvelous? And you know you've sinned plenty. You know you've failed plenty. And if any of us can lose the Spirit, we're this crowd likely to do it. Why does the Spirit keep hanging out in your life even when you mess up so bad? Because Christ paid for your mess-ups to enable a Holy Spirit to keep ministering to you. So he says here, we ought to bear one another's burdens. Now, legalism says stone them. Legalism says remind them that they're at fault. The law would say, let's see if they're wrong. We caught the woman in adultery, let's stone her. The gospel of grace and the spirit-filled life is we don't stone those who fail and we don't stone those who have a heavy burden, but grace enables us to come alongside and help give relief, help carry the burden. It's kind of interesting, in the Bible. Psalms 55, uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, and different verses says, cast your burdens on the Lord. Cast your burdens on the Lord, right? That's the vertical help. But did you know there's another dimension? And I just want you to see it in 2 Corinthians, chapter 7. Chapter 7. 2 Corinthians. That's right before Galatians. Uh, 2 Corinthians, notice 7 5. For when we came into Macedonia, This body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within, but God who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the Holy Spirit. Oh, you got the Holy Spirit, you don't need Titus. You got God, what do we need Titus for? Well, it is in the Bible, though, isn't it? And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. Now, look at this. You saints had comforted Titus. And by the time Titus got to me in Macedonia, he brought comfort to me. Did you know God packages comfort for his people in other believers? And here's the great apostle. He led Titus to the Lord. Titus was an understudy of Paul. And God brought him to him, and he brought him comfort and encouragement because he came and shared the burden. Shared the burden. You remember that little saying that says, shared sorrow is half sorrow, and shared joy is double joy. When you've got someone to share your sorrows with, you can get a relief that someone hears you. Have you ever been helped just because someone quietly listen to you. And that's the hardest lesson husbands have to learn. Because we're in the fix-it business, you know, especially preachers. You, you want your wife to just tell you something, and by the time she gets through, well, she's not even through because you've had this case so many times before. You're already writing in prescription. Well, honey, just do this and do that. And, and none of you men have this, but I've been told... I don't want you to fix me. I just want you to understand me. Hear me. But I want to fix you. You're not big enough. I need greater help than you can afford. One of the hardest things for us preacher types is to shut up and listen to people. Understanding has a healing ointment to the heart. But extroverts and counselors and professionals. We fix people. Well, it's wonderful when you come alongside and help, but here it seems to be something all spirit-filled believers are able to do for their brother or sister. And what I find is difficult in our culture, uh, one of the things that work, I think, against us bearing one another's burdens is uh, it takes a lot of discernment to know if a brother or sister is burdened. In a poorer. Uh, economy, in poorer areas of the world, uh, needs are so visible. Food, raiment, shelter, uh, a broken-down car. You know, everything seems to be economic and uh, something that a $20 bill could help or a $100 bill. And those are, those are fun because they're so concrete and they're easy to recognize. But the more sophisticated people become, the better dress, and the more the economic aspect of life seems to be met, we have to ask, are there any needs of the heart that are greater than finances? Are there burdens of the heart uh, through discouragement? I recently become a widow. How do I live with this loss? Grief sometimes can overcome me. Saw so, a history of the Kennedy family last night, talking about how Robert Kennedy uh, just had a nervous breakdown after Jack was killed. I never knew that, but a, he just broke. He, he, he was trying to be everything to the family and government. He broke. Uh, the needs of our day are not always economics, but we in the spiritual life, we, we have burdens that are deeper than money, deeper than superficiality. It's someone that says, I'm going to pray with you, or someone sharing a verse, or someone that has an insight to help. How we crave that, and in the body of Christ, this is an ongoing ministry of Spirit-filled, walking in the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit people. You will recognize them, for they bring relief to needy, burdened-down saints, and that is what we're to be doing all the time. And we want to find a body where there are no needs, no heavy burdens. Well, you better just die and go to heaven. That's when all the burdens are over. In this life, we are burdened pilgrims often traveling to a celestial city. We need each other's weight-bearing ability. I never forget being at the American River and watching my boyfriend drown. He's a big guy, Paul. And uh, we had been at a church convention in Sacramento. And he lived up in Auburn. And so we went to the American River. It was burning up in the summer. i never forget getting in that river. I swam across the river. Just It was a, a pretty narrow place. I'm not a great swimmer. So if I can get across, I figure anybody could. And then I came back. And then Paul went out. And Paul began to drown. Well, his father, who's a preacher and another preacher were there. Uh, jumped in, went after Paul, and it was an amazing thing to observe the dynamic. I never will forget it. I'm, I'm standing with Paul's mother who's screaming hysteri- hysterically. She wants me to get in there and rescue, and I'm spent. I, I knew I couldn't do it. But I watched uh, his father, who was a big man, and this other preacher get there, and they got, finally got in the current, got next to Paul, And they just bobbed off. Paul just would bob off of these men. And one would go down, and the other would stay up. And finally, uh, Pastor Young, he was drowning. And so he had to give up, and uh, he was able to get to the bank. But I saw this boy's father staying with him, arms around this boy, and pushed me down, up, pushed me down, up. And God, in his kindness and wisdom, brought him into a sandbar, and they were rescued as they fell out on the bank. And we were all just, man, we thought this was the end. But it was an amazing thing, the risk-taking that went on in those two men. They went as far as they could. If you're about to drown, son, keep using me to push off of. We're going to keep you afloat. And you see in First Thessalonians, summer week... Some have this problem, some have that. We just got to ask, are any of us spiritual enough? And that, I don't even like the way I said that. Are we just spiritual, walking with the Spirit, so we bring relief, relief to overburdened saints? Well, he goes on, and he, he says something that's interesting. It seems strange, back to Galatians. That he says, don't be too proud to do this. He says in verse uh, 3, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. You could say, I, I, I'm, I'm too important to be bothered with this kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not going to get involved in rescue and burden bearing. You may have an inflated view of yourself that this is not for me. But notice he said, when you do this, you fulfill the law of Christ. And the law of Christ, wait, I thought we're not under the law. We're not under the law of Moses. What's this law of Christ then? The law of Christ, as I understand it, is that law he gave in the upper room as he showed them his love, and he stooped towards their dirty feet. And then he says at the end of it, and in the middle, he says, I've given you an example to follow. And then he summarizes it. By the way, all men will know that you know me. When you wash dirty feet, when you stooped to serve. My love, I just gave you a concrete, it wasn't just gooey love, non-defined love. I just loved you to the full extent. I know you're all going to abandon me. I know you're going to fail. I prophesied to you in the room that, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But I still want to help meet your need. I want to wash your feet as a servant. And this will mark my people. They will love each other. And Leviticus 19 had told Israel, love your neighbors yourself. Christ didn't even use that. He that won't do any good in my kingdom. Love people like I loved you. The measure of how you love a brother is measured by how Christ has loved us. He's washed our feet over and over and over and over. He is the measure. It's the debt you'll never pay off. You don't love a person once and that's it. No. Pay off your mortgage. But you're never going to pay off the debt of love you owe to one another forever. Don't be too proud. But do the law of Christ. Then he tells them, uh, you know what, you need to pay attention to your own life while you're helping others. Pay attention to your own life. Uh, Test your own actions. And then you can take pride that you've carried through basically what God wants. Then he says, for each one should carry his own load. Now, (laughs) it sounds like a contradiction. What's he saying? It's interesting that the first word meant something that was very heavy, overwhelming. This was used of a backpack. It was used of a soldier's pack. Nothing too burdensome. Just an ordinary, I think of our kids with a backpack going to school. Not something that weights you down. Just ordinary, and what he's doing is we all have our own responsibilities. We do not need to shirk, and we don't need anyone to come in. I don't need to come in and mow your lawn, do I? You can pray for it. I just recommend you hire somebody. My wife finally did me that favor. Uh, But you can pray all day for certain loads in your life to be lifted by someone. And guess what? It's your load. Your kids are your load. Uh, Your marriage is your load. Now, we, we offer all kinds of help to help you with that. But we all have a certain amount of divine responsibility. And he said, we need to test our action and say, God, am I carrying out what you want me to do? Am I being responsible and accountable? And I think it comes into this word. Am, can you rely on me to carry out a faithful stewardship? Could God count on you to get it done? Could God allot you anything? And just think, every one of us, he's allotted a gift, a ministry, he's allotted you life, whatever economics, whatever opportunity. Every one of us have been afforded a responsibility. And it delivers you from the pride of trying to find out what's wrong with your brother.
1: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to his knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855-833-9864. 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855 855- 833 9864, or write to us. Our address is 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard.